So first of all, like, how, how, I just want to hear your perspective. How do you coach 47 people like me who are typically artists, not operators, and we're all over the place? And how do you how do you keep 47 people on track that uh, have all these new shiny ideas they want to go chase? What's what's the golden nugget to that? The uh, the golden nugget first is understanding the client. Because as you said, uh, there are a number of expressives in the real estate space, but you also have drivers, you have analytics and amiables. So another thing from doing a lot of reading, I've learned calibration, I think, fairly well. So again, another unique quality is you tend to gravitate to people that are similar to you. So what I've learned to do is I have some super analytic clients that love spreadsheets. And I've learned how to communicate with them very differently, say, from the expressive client, which I had, and I have one of those. She's She's probably like 120 I, right? She is just energy all the time, right? Everything is just boom. So um, I would say to, to answer the question correctly is first you have to learn the client. Like I don't learn the client on the first call. It probably seriously takes a good three or four calls where I start to understand them and how they communicate best, how they understand best, how they <clears throat> respond best to things on there. Because even like accountability is a big thing in coaching. Matter of fact, the number one reason why most people get into coaching is for accountability. It works very differently for each client. Some respond to a tougher, direct type of accountability. Some people I would crush if I was too hard on them, they would cry. <laughs> so you, you learn. So I, I think it's an evolution. Like most of my clients, I'll share, not most, but a majority of them now, we're going to a third, fourth, fifth year together, talking to them every week. I feel more like I'm part of their family quite honestly, than just a coach. When you talk to someone every week and you're just involved in their business in such a deep level that you really become, I feel like I'm an extension of the team in a sense of, of all the teams I coach. And I take that very seriously. If I'm going to work with someone, it's just as much my responsibility as it is theirs to achieve these goals. Right. Well, let's see. We're about two years in together and you haven't made me cry yet. So thank you very much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not something that we want to do for sure. So, Mike, right now with COVID-19, everybody's businesses are going through all types of changes. Uh, what are you seeing? You know, how has COVID-19 affected you as a coach personally? And what are some of the consistent ways it's affecting the clients you're coaching? Let's see. The way it's affected me as a coach. So it's interesting. Uh, I learned something about myself, actually, from uh, my wife, Lisa. So my adrenaline response is a lot different, I've learned, from a lot of people is that when I'm faced with some adversity or, or some shocking news or information or where most people react to that, I actually become more focused. I don't know, it's just something that, I've, that she noticed in me. I didn't even know I had this, right? So I'll give you an example. When we first started dating, I was driving down the highway and probably, I don't know, doing 55, 60 on some highway, right? Just driving down the road casually. Uh, an animal ran out from the woods onto the highway. And I just kind of had the steering wheel. I just kind of went, boop just kind of steered around it, just kept doing 60 miles an hour, didn't say a word. And then Lisa nearly had a heart attack in the past. And she's like, <gasps> from this animal. She's like, you didn't react. That animal, we could have died or whatever. The car could have flipped over. And so the same here, as soon as this stuff started to go down, I just went into this focus mode of like, all right, how do we get through this? What's going to happen? What What's the reality of the situation? And it really has gotten me to I guess the magic word here is future pace because the event they've all been talking about this v-shaped pattern right it's going to be a temporary is that a lot of people are getting stuck in the moment and the moment was going to be a heartbeat i said let's just survive the moment and let's figure out what we're going to do on the other side of the moment to grow our businesses significantly on there so the the virus has definitely caused me to 
One example is like, I never watched the news. Like I learned from Tom, the news is really just negative information that they're trying to sell. So you'd watch, they could sell um, ad space on their channels on there. So before COVID, I would tell you, I have no idea. Like you asked me about the beaches and the parks. I honestly don't know, so I don't watch the news, but because of COVID, that's one thing I've changed. I think I have to be informed of the big news break headlines that are going on. So now I watch the news for like five minutes. I'll turn on like um, the Wall Street Journal on, online and I'll, I'll read the headlines each morning. So that's a significant change for me. If you haven't watched the news in like, I don't know, five years, six years, and maybe what they print. <laughs> I've never watched that stuff. So the news is a, a significant change. Um, my energy level, which is always fairly decent, but I've had to elevate that because in this environment, the clients, some of them are emotionally challenged right now. Their energy levels are low. So I can provide that extra energy on the call that I can share with them to get them up to an energy level where they can produce and perform like they need to is a, a big change on there. Um, this, the whole uh, stay at home order is like one way I get at my energy is through exercise. So me and my son, uh, Mikey, we'd go to the gym on a regular basis. They closed the gym. I didn't work out for about a month. And I was like, I started to feel like that energy decreasing. So we bought a bunch of gym equipment. And now my living room looks like a gym. It wouldn't look like that if there wasn't a COVID uh, situation here. Um, as far as the clients, how's it affected the clients? Wow. I'll tell you, it affected them. Interesting. They fall into three buckets. I'll tell you, is that a, a, about a third of my clients or so, when this started to happen, I was amazed, Matt. I don't know how to say this so it's politically correct, but they were almost excited about it because they knew there was going to be opportunities from a downturn, right? That every downturn is that if you read books on successful people, most fortunes were made in downturn markets, not in bull markets on there. So they were getting coming on a call like. Hey coach, where's the opportunity? Where, where are we gonna do? What are we gonna find? I know something good is gonna happen out of this. And they were excited, right? To grow their businesses and finding the opportunity. Number two were the, were the clients I had that would be really positive this week and everything is good, then they would lose it. Like I could tell them maybe they watched the news a little bit or they heard something, right? And they, the, the mindset kicked in and they just lost it. And I had to bring them back and then they were okay. And then there was a, a third group, I'll tell you, that just got freaked out. My guess is they probably watched the news too much and they just felt like this was the end, right? Oh my gosh, we're not going to survive this. And uh, they've checked out. Matter of fact, a lot of the agents on the teams I coach uh, have been like that, right? They were just in a position where they thought this was more than they could bear. And they've, uh, they've, they've checked out for a little bit. So I think you'll see that actually in real estate, like across the United States, that there'll probably be some attrition of real estate agents that'll- And not to sound terrible, but that's, I mean, this sounds terrible, I know, but that's a good thing. I mean, there's a lot of the barrier of entry into our industry is not what it should be. And, and you know, there's a lot of folks that probably shouldn't be guiding people through the biggest decision of their financial life. So yeah. um, I'm in a group with you have that. I learned uh, just yesterday when I coach in the U.S. and Canada. So one of my Canadian clients was telling me yesterday in, in their Edmonton province to get a real estate license, you need to get, you need to get a three year college degree. I was like, wow, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a commitment, right? So, anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Go ahead. Another conversation. Well, so what are a couple just kind of big ideas right now that you find yourself speaking to a lot right now, just to encourage and challenge the clients that you're coaching? Some some of the big ideas. So first, it's um, uh, a lot of people may not know, but uh, real estate, uh, residential, and definitely commercial are some of the more of the antiquated businesses in the U.S. 
amazing, even like the state of California, which you think is very progressive in a lot of ways, is we never had electronic notaries here. So when this went down and you couldn't uh, notarize something electronically, you couldn't transact in the state of California. That was a big problem. So some of the things that the clients are learning is how to update our systems and our processes and our and the way we do business because we're antiquated, quite frankly. There was a, there's a I don't know if you know about my, Montgomery County, I learned in Maryland, they did all their recordings manually. So as soon as they closed the courthouse, everything shut down because they couldn't record anything on there. So a lot of my clients are learning, right, all the inefficiencies of their business and how to tighten them up. They're learning new technologies. Like we're doing a lot of stuff virtually now, right? Virtual tours, virtual showings, virtual meetings, virtual interviews, all that kind of stuff. This is, some were dabbling, some were better than others, right? Uh, like secondary home markets, military markets, they've been doing these kind of things for a bit. But the rest of the country, not so much. So there's been a learning curve. Even like this, uh, we're using a product here called uh, StreamYard. That's a really cool product that most of them didn't know about until now. But now it's very helpful for them to help grow their businesses. Uh, so that, that's been a major change for sure. Um, and StreamYard's a quick example of exactly what you're doing. You're trying to scratch and claw to find value to provide to your clients because you, I mean, our friend Kyle Whistle had, had mentioned StreamYard and then you kind of reinforced that with me to actually make me check it out. Right. And here we are using it consistently because it's incredible. <laughs> so. Yes. Very good on there. The other thing I would share with you is that I learned this as a coach. As I, I told you, I'm trying to really convert my clients into CEOs, not real estate agents. That's really my focus is that most of them have no formal leadership experience. Is that not one? I don't think one of the clients I coach currently got into real estate with this big dream of building a big giant team and have all this leadership and management experience. What has happened to almost all of them, it's the same pattern. They happen to be good at sales and someone along the line said, you need an assistant to help you with the paperwork. And someone else said, you should get a buyer's agent or a showing agent. And before you know it, you're managing people and you have no idea how to do that. So they, they, I've taught them and we've worked through that over the last few years, but then COVID came and, and created a whole new set of problems. like. How do you lead a team virtually? How do you keep them motivated? Like, a, like I coach these three things. In order to have retention within a company, the environment needs to be fun to work in. People spend a lot of time at work. They got to enjoy where they're working or they'll, they'll leave. Number two is recognition. Like when you have your, your, your agents and your employees in front of each other, it's very, very helpful to recognize them for doing good deeds and good results on there. People love to get recognized in front of their peers but now we're virtual. And then the last one is individual uh, empathetic appreciation. So again, when when you're able to do things face-to-face -face or when you're in the office, those things are fairly easy to do. Now I taught them how to do those things and now they had to figure out how to do all those same things virtually. And like some, some of my teams have 30, 40, 50, 60 agents. How the heck do you do that now? And like I said, some of the agents were checking out, some were in and out. It was, uh, so they had to learn how to manage a pretty big organization in a very short period of time, totally virtually, not just the buyers and sellers, but managing maybe 50, 60 people also, totally virtually, which had zero experience in. But that's been the learning curve, I think, is how to become a, a great leader and then how to do that, not just in the office, but do it remotely. Right, that's a challenge for sure. There's the, the call that we had uh, last week with Vance Pittman, a mentor of mine, 
um, him and I were talking about how, you know, leaders aren't born in time of crisis. It's really when you find out if you really can lead, leaders are forged in times of crisis. So, but many of us, and guilty as charged, I used to always joke that, you know, I'm just a really good realtor that happens to own a company because it just, it just happens when you, when you start to do good at your job, you get more opportunities than you can, than you can get to, and you have to start building. But I think that's probably most of the people you coach started that way. <laughs> so. Everyone, if I, if I think for a second, I look at the backstory, right? 100%, not even 99, it's 100%. They, they're yeah. all down that same path. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting how, how it works out in real estate, just uh, by accident, but uh, it's all right. It's all working good. But with purpose. Uh, so perspective, right now, I think right now is a season where myself included, but I think everybody's got a chance to really kind of slow down. Um, a friend of mine said almost like a hard reset, like you hard, you know, you shut your phone off and turn it back on for a hard reset, but it's a chance to get a new perspective. So how is your perspective changing as a leader right now, as a coach, um, maybe as a, as a, as a husband or father, but how, how's your perspective changing more so probably on the real estate business side, but just overall. Hmm. That's a great question. Cause there's one clear observation I've learned. Cause again, going back, talking to clients like every week for years and years, Besides their businesses, you start to learn a little bit about their home life as well. So here's an observation is that if you don't put time in with your family, that when if something like this happens and you don't have really strong relationships, something like this strains the relationship terribly. Because now you're in an environment where maybe you escaped to the office or you worked a lot of hours, right, to uh, maybe uh, minimize a lot of interactions because the relationship isn't strong with your spouse or your kid, whatever the case may be. And now, you're at stay-at-home orders, you're with them 24-7. So if you had a strained relationship, it definitely got exasperated during yeah. that. I had clients. I had a, a, a number of them that were going through challenges like this. So I, I recognized for me, the recognition was that you've got to work on your relationships with your family and the people most important to you because when it comes down to it, those are the people going to support you and be here for you when the chips are down and stuck in this environment, right? I'm like, I couldn't imagine because my son is my best friend. Lisa is my soulmate. And like people, a lot of people have been complaining about the quarantine and the lockdown. I'll tell you, between you and I and everyone else who's watching this thing, we've had zero stresses about it as far as as far as the lifestyle, right? Because we love spending time together. Matter of fact, we like it better because now the gym is in the living room. I save an hour a day in commuting time because now me and my son just walk to the living room so we can spend more time together. And uh, it's really helped to improve our relationships and strengthen them. They were, they were great already. Where I can imagine if our relationship were on the rocks a little bit, that the, uh, this uh, stay-at-home order would have challenged those even more because I've seen it happen with other clients. So that's been one observation. Really goes to show you the how strong the households were of some of my clients and who was not. This is definitely exposed the weak ones. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a great share. And the uh, – um, Oh, I had something I was going to say about that. That was, oh, one of my team members was saying that, you know, right now uh, there's a book that we've recently read. A few of us on our team called The um, Relentless Elimination of Hurry. And it's, uh, but the idea behind the book is everything has, you know, what's the, the cost benefit analysis of, you know, if you buy hockey tickets, well, now you got to go to all these games and there's a cost to that because that's something you're not getting to if you do that. So you have to analyze all these things you allow into your life. But that's what she was saying is, you know, this different pace we've been walking through the last 60 days, here's a chance in the coming weeks as things start to get back to normal of what do we actually allow back into our schedule, into our routine, right. uh, 
because now I think a lot of people have had a chance to reset and get that family time right. So yep. I think all of us are going to have to work through that in the weeks to come. Yeah, I think another observation there is that I think um, buyers specifically will do a lot more virtual shopping and a lot more of their homework online. Because really, like I, was, I, was, I went to one of my clients was showcasing five, uh, um, five virtual open houses a couple of weekends ago down in uh, Marco Island in Florida. Uh, Mary Bartos, if you know Mary. Yeah. So, so Mary, I was just trying to feel like, what, what does it feel like to be a buyer, like on this virtual experience on there? And I realized I loved it because a couple of the properties, after they described them and they showed their 3D tour, I had no interest in. If I was buying down there, I would have gotten in my car and drove to the property and sign in. The agent would have been calling me for a property I had no interest in on there. By doing all this virtual stuff, I can imagine buyers will actually go and see. Before the, the crash, I'll share with you, the average number of homes in the U.S. a buyer would look at is 10. I think you're going to see a big reduction in that number. They do a lot more homework because they want their anonymity. They'd rather do as much as they can and just go look at maybe one or two homes or maybe three, right? So I think you'll, that'll be an outcome I think you'll see. Is there'll, be, there'll be a lot more electronic. And I think this uh, virtual stuff, in the beginning, everyone was like, nobody would ever buy a house virtually. Well, we've learned that's not true. <laughs> not true at all. So I think that's going to become more comfortable and almost uh, preferential. Especially for introverts, right? Analytic type people who don't like, you know, dealing with a lot of people to begin with. This will be these new skills that we're learning, I think will feed right into. And the consumer is going to dictate our, our industry more than anyone. If they're saying we like this, it's going to stay. And I think they are from what I'm hearing so far. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like you shared that, you know, showing time puts out the report on showing activity. But not, not only is... is buyers looking at more homes virtually they're looking at less homes they're, they're more qualified they're further down the pipeline they're more educated they know what they want yeah. and our team's loving working with these buyers because not to sound terrible for all of you who are the tire kickers out there but like we're working with real people there's no sifting through the rubble to find the gem anymore like everybody's a real qualified buyer because nobody's looking at homes for fun right now right uh, in fact i told my team i said you know how the, the bankers you know they study the hundred dollar bill the correct one and they don't study the counterfeits because if you know the real one so well, you don't have to know what the counterfeit looks like. So that's how working with buyers is going to be on the back end of COVID-19. So. Yes, very true. We, we learned that with the, the neighbors. When we took a listing, um, if we got a call and people were like, oh, just curious, how much is that new listing you put up? And we started to ask them questions. They would immediately back down. Like they didn't want any questions. They didn't want the the, the homeowner to know the neighbor was inquiring about their property. Yeah. And that was a telltale sign that it wasn't a real lead. It was a nosy neighbor calling. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple more questions, and I want to honor your time, Mike. I know you have another meeting here in a few minutes. Uh -huh. um, how do you think? Uh, kind of a general question, but what's going to never be the same on the back end of coronavirus? I think some of the technology we talked about that the virtual showings and, and that type of tech being leveraged. Um, one thing you and I actually were speaking about on our coaching call before this was client experience. You know, my team's very passionate about client experience and uh, we truly want to have just an extraordinary experience for the client in their home sale or purchase. I think that's something that's going to be huge on the back end of COVID-19 because people are hungry for that relational interaction again and that experience that they aren't getting sitting at home right now. But what else, you know, that included, but what do you think is, is real estate going to be different on the other side of this? Well, well, one thing is the impact this COVID is having on our economy. 
right? So we know unemployment's been rising, the market's been in flux for days and weeks now, going up and down. So the one thing that the federal government's going to do to help regulate that and stimulate our markets is not everyone knows, but real estate is a big portion of the GDP, and it also affects a lot of other industries and businesses. So when real estate's working well, the company, the country generally works really well. So what the federal government's going to do to stimulate our industry as much as they can is keep interest rates really low. So as they drop these, people are like, oh my gosh, these are so low. I, uh, from what I've been hearing from the experts, if I'm not a mortgage expert, is that you can imagine seeing three and a half or so percent interest rates for the next two and a half years or so. So a long run of low interest, I think, is one of the outcomes that you're going to see of this. I think it was interesting, too, to see the iBuyer reaction, right, is that we always wondered how they were making money, and we quick realized they weren't. As soon as there was a chance the market was going to dip, what did all the big iBuyers do? They closed shops instantly. They saw the handwriting on the wall. Interesting. I don't know if you heard this morning, Open Door started purchasing again. Yep, I heard that started offer pad. But what's interesting is you mentioned those buyers. They pulled out in the middle of transactions and left people high and dry. I mean, that, sure, they offered them a, a remedy. But my goodness, if you're half moved out of your house, yeah, that, that stung a bit. So, yeah, obviously, they're in it for the, the money, not for the... <laughs> right. It also spawns opportunity. So another change of that is like a newer type companies like uh, EasyKnock.com where they allow you to pull equity out of a home and rent your house back, just flexibility that homeowners never had before, I think have been created out of necessity because a company like that recognizes the challenge that you know that we're, we're gonna be having in our industry for the next few years is very low inventory. And one of the biggest challenges is if you own a home, how do you get out of this one and not be homeless and get into the next one when there's very few to choose from? So you don't wanna to commit to selling this house because if you did, right? So a company is like this company offer ways of pulling out your equity, making a non-contingent cash offer, and then selling your house second on there. So I think you're going to find some things like that are coming out of necessity of this uh, this virus that's going to create those types of opportunities. We had low inventory before we got into this. Right. It's even lower now. And besides the low interest rate, we're going to have a, a big wave of millennial buyers coming into our markets, which is going to create a, an enormous amount of demand into a, a market that already has uh, low supply. So I think it's going to put a lot of downward pressure on the on the inventory to find inventory to sell people. Well, first thing you do is you call Team Farm or your local uh, agent and, and have them, you know, put a game plan together to guide you through that process. But um, all right, hey, I'm going to rapid fire with you here to wrap up, Mike, so you can get on to your next meeting. But um, I'm curious because I really respect you and admire you as a leader. What are you learning about yourself right now? Learning about myself right now. Uh, I'll go back to something I said a little bit earlier, is this energy component, how important that is, right? During a time of crisis, in order to navigate this properly and just feel strong, this is exercise and diet, how we've heard about it for years, how it's important, they got to eat healthy, exercise and sleep. When you're in a time of crisis, you double down on that stuff. So I'm getting, I'll tell you, between sometimes eight to 10 hours of sleep some nights after. One thing I noticed difference, uh, I'll give you another um, observation of the that I've worked all these businesses for 30 something years, like I can put in tremendous amount of hours and not feel taxed all that bad. This virus was mentally challenging, which was a lot tougher than the physically challenging of just putting hours in because I didn't know, nor did anyone else, what was happening tomorrow? How long is it gonna last? How it was gonna impact? So I was spending so much energy trying to stay ahead of something that we had no idea what was going on, right. which mentally was totally draining, I'll tell you. 
So sometimes I would just do my coaching calls, do my research, right, and crash and get a good eight hours sleep. But then getting the exercise in, um, hydration is another thing that I've up tremendously. Like I'm up to probably over 100 ounces of water a day now. Um, I'm drinking just to stay hydrated. And again, that helps your energy level. Com combine that with sleep and exercise. I'm ready to, to do anything right now. I think that's critical in a, in a time like this where some people turn to alcohol or some people maybe try to overwork themselves and they're, they're, they're not where they are. The, the biggest challenge, I think, is not so much the virus, is the mindset. If I look at my clients or where this could affect you, because uh, when I look at the numbers, like the numbers don't lie. Most of my clients, then there's some plus or minus, but let's take the majority of them. Their numbers are almost identical up to or in May, beginning of May this year, as 2019 up to May. Some are a little ahead, some a little behind. So really, in the whole scheme of things, nothing has changed in their business. But why are some of them so freaked out? Why are some of them so so um, um, nervous about things? Uncertainty. Just being in this thing, creating uncertainty. So a lot of things I do as a coach is to provide certainty. Like I've been through 9-11. I've been through dot-com bubbles, right, and all these other downturns. So providing that stuff to my clients, right? Because the mindset is what's going to get them. It's either going to keep them in the game or cause them to, because the actual impact has been nominal to their businesses. But yeah. it feels like it's horrible. Yeah. Well, you've, you've been, you've done great for, for us specifically, but I'm sure all your clients are being very intentional of providing resources and articles and, and tips and tricks and just those emails. Are, I mean, you're obviously putting the time in to provide value to your clients. So that's what leaders do, man. All right. Rapid fire. What's your favorite thing about coaching? Favorite thing might surprise you. My, my, the, my most favorite thing about coaching is when I can get a client to take a vacation with their family and be 100% disconnected from their business. Like they're 100% present for the whole time. They take two weeks and go to Europe or, you know, you know uh, Lisa Chinati, she'd gone to London, I think for three weeks last year, oh. the first time and was on vacation with her family. Yeah. That's my goal with most of my clients. Well, I love that that's your favorite thing about coaching. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, so who, who do you follow? Who who challenges you and inspires you right now? Uh, number one is Tom Ferry. Like, is I love him, and a lot of times he challenges the heck out of me, I would tell you. You want accountability, right? You want to be forced to rise to occasions? Follow Tom. Work with Tom. Watch some of his videos. So yeah. Tom definitely challenges me. As much as he supports me, he'll also challenge me, right? Um, and then as far as, like, inspiration and all these other people steve harney as you mentioned right we use his uh, kcm slides yep. leadership i love um, simon sinek i'm a big fan of simon on leadership skills the infinity game working with millennials uh huge big fan of ted talks i watch uh, some of the, the better ted talks um a newer guy to the scene but i like a lot tom billu i think he does a great job interviewing a number of people uh older influencers jim rowan Oh, I love Jim Rohn. Love him. Yes. And which, then one of his uh, mentees, uh, Darren Hardy. So I follow right. Darren. Big fan. Tony Robbins was a big influence. I'd gone to one of his seminars years ago, and it starts to make you open up your eyes to what's possible. I lived in a relatively small little town, right? And these influences weren't there. I started seeing Tony and these things. I'm like, wow, this is possible. Anything's possible. It opened up my eyes on there. Um... Who else do I follow that you would know? That's probably the, the main. Oh, Gary Vaynerchuk. I followed him for just a, I love his energy and his ideas and optimism, right? And all that on there. So that's probably well, 
leaders are learners, and you obviously have a lot of people that you you pull from. <laughs> My mentor says the day you stop learning, you forfeit the right to lead. So that's wow. not where you're at. So I love that, man. Yeah. All right, so uh, real quick, maybe two books you'd recommend. Two books you'd recommend everybody reads that you've maybe read in the last year. Um, Atomic Habits. Great book. Is a, is a great book right now to read. Um, and then from business, I, I like The Attraction. It was a great business book I read this year. Um, for psychology, this has helped me a lot, actually. Uh, Tom had brought the speaker in. He wrote a book called The Alter Ego, where yeah. in situations where you got to perform and you feel a little intimidated maybe or something is learning the skill of actually kind of an almost like an outer body experience is that when like public speaking, a lot of people are, are intimidated by public speaking is that you imagine you just, you're not on stage, but a great public speaker like a Tom Ferry is on stage. And right. for him, like how would he sound? How would he act on there? And at first I thought it was a little wonky, right? But then as I started to read the book and I've been practicing this stuff, it works very effective, very effective. Yeah, I'm super dab when I get home. I, I, I turn, you know, you change your clothes and put the bracelet on or whatever it takes. And that, no, I agree. That was great. Um, first dinner, last question. First dinner you're gonna take Lisa on when you guys can get back to your typical routine. Wow, hmm. that's a great question. First dinner we would go to. You know what? We haven't even gotten that far. I don't know. It's uh, oh, if you know anything about us, we eat like super healthy. So to be some kind of like organic, uh, high quality, um, not too fancy. We're not uh, we don't we're not into pretentious stuff. Like oh, we're, we're in Southern California, right? So some outdoor space. Probably here we go. It's going to be a rooftop deck. Right, with, with nice. good, good food. With if it's uh, well, summer it won't be cool out, and we'll probably be there like around sunset, watching the sun go down, having a having a nice meal, just reflecting. Right, uh, that's what it's going to be. I just figured it out. This, this too shall pass, and you'll be on top of that roof here soon, Mike. So I can't wait. That's awesome. And hey, I noticed my wife commented on the thread at 3.09, which is probably right when you said that your goal is to get us on vacation and focus with our family. <laughs> she, she said she loves that. So thank you, man. Um, all right, Mike, how do people follow you? If they want to follow you, what's the best platform? Is it Facebook, Instagram? Um, I'm on Facebook, yeah. Follow me on Facebook, um, on Instagram as well. Um, where else am I? I have a LinkedIn account. I haven't used that much. It's interesting. It was very popular in the beginning of my real estate career, and it kind of cooled off a little bit, but there's been a resurgence in LinkedIn, so I think I'll become more active. But for now, probably Facebook and Instagram are the two best places to, to reach me. It's just at Mike Shum for both of those? Yeah, except for my son has the same name. So he had actually taken my name, so it's actually at Mike Shum underscore for Instagram. Okay, awesome. Mike well, Shum on Facebook. We'll post that in the comments here. So, well, Mike, I know you have a meeting here in a minute. So, man, I appreciate your time. I uh, admire you, respect you greatly, and thank you for all the coaching that you do for me and my team uh, and so many others. I know you're highly respected with all the brokers in our network. Um, so it means a lot that you give me 40, 43 minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I am. I will tell you, and I, like I tell everyone, I'm the grateful one. Like the opportunity to work with such amazing people and such great leaders and just, just all around amazing individuals. Like I wake up every day and pitch myself. Like this is my job. This is my life. This is a, I, I get to do. Like that day when you find the job that you love to do, that you're somewhat naturally good at it because you've done it for so long, and you get to do that for a living is just pure bliss. So yeah, thank you. And thank all my other clients that I have as well. It's, uh, yeah, I, uh, 
I got lucky. Awesome. I've seen some of them chime in here, so they're 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 watching you right now. Oh, excellent, excellent. I love I love them all. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks again, Mike. I'm gonna close us out here. So, hey guys, thanks for tuning in for a few minutes. Uh, again, this is just level 10 conversations with people in my personal life that I admire and respect that I know are living life at a level 10. Uh, so, you know, please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the future real life episodes that will come out in these future conversations, uh, as well as the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Store. You can get the content there as well. Please like and share the comment, ask questions. So we have, uh, you know, input for future content, future conversations. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you next week. All right, guys.